0: Kingway, Fox, lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Siskel's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Ford Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk.
1: Teacher, Batless, Edward is an idiot Fock is dead, Wolf is
0: wed Chekhov's wearing red
1: Data's cat, can pack that You is that enough of that Beam me up, make it so Everybody let's go We talk about, about the series You can join us live by picking up your phone now We talk about the series We're coming to, to you on your streaming services now We talk about the series <laughs> Come and cook we'll the show now. We the come come
2: we we we'll, go well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's Thursday night. We're live. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. We would love to hear from you guys, and I'm so excited. That song gets me psyched and gets me pumped. Eric did a phenomenal job on it. I, I love it. It puts me in the mood to trek talk. But beyond that, at my feet here, I have a box of trek talking t-shirts and trek talking mugs. And I'd love to get those into your hands. Uh, keep an eye out on our Facebook page to find out how you can acquire some of this awesome merch. It'll be up there as soon as I get a chance to do it. Also please go over and check out our, our new pod page at, or I'm sorry, our new uh, webpage uh, at podpage.com backslash Trek dash talking. And there you can find all of our previous shows and you can find links to how to listen to all of them. And there's all kinds of great stuff there. So please go and check that out. You can follow us there and then you'll never miss an exciting podcast. So, Keep that in mind. Before we get too far, though, I want to introduce my awesome trexperts. Let's start off with, we don't have our trifecta. We only have our dynamic duo this week. Well, let's start off with Robin. How you doing, Paul? Uh, Paul, Better known as the wine guy. (laughs) Jim parted from me and never parted, never and
3: always touching (laughs) and touched. We meet at the appointed place.
2: Oh. And that would be here and now. So sweet. <laughs> and of course, of course, if Paul is Robin of the dynamic duo, who does that make Eric? Batman. How you hey, doing, Eric? Hey, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I am doing great. I am just happy to be from the same city uh, as Paul and to know him in person. He's a good friend and, uh, <laughs> and a, a big hoot to hang out with. Oh, this means the check cleared. Excellent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sweet. And, um, and, oh, man, what a great intro with the touched and untouched. Yeah, it's, I, there's so much amok to talk about right now. I'm just bursting at the seams. But lots of hijinks. Lots of hijinks. Lots and of
2: hijinks. Uh, spe- <laughs> speaking of hijinks, let's jump to Las Vegas, where Charles is hanging out tonight. How are you doing, Charles?
4: I'm doing good. Attempting. Attempting to enjoy this nice invention called air conditioning as our first ah. heat wave passes through. I'd yes, love to send I up hear that. Let you guys
0: have a treat of enjoying it too. <laughs> Charles, what is for what is to me heat wave is like ninety. What is heat wave to you?
4: Oh, we're getting we're getting our we're getting our first heat advisory of the season. A uh, today, a day. Not on. Probably about a hundred and eight for the next t- couple days. Oof. It'll cool down on Sunday when the wind comes through and blows the heat up toward Portland.
0: No. We don't want it. <laughs> wow, I'll
2: tell you what. You, you know what nah, goes for a heat wave here here in Vermont? You know what a heat wave is here in Vermont? When it hits the 80s. 78? It stops smelling? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Say? Yeah, 80s. When it hits the 80s, it's you're cranking on the, the AC because it's too hot.
0: You're like, oh, so, sweating. Oh my <laughs> god, how yeah, can you live when it's? Uh, conversely, how's it when it's 33 degrees in your shorts, right? Oh, that's true. That, that that's true. <laughs> it's just a matter of where you live. It's a
2: sliding that's scale, right. you know. Right. When it hits 50, we're opening up the windows because it's so hot outside. That's right.
1: That's right. So,
2: anyways, guys. We have a great show planned for you tonight. Uh, Before we get started, though, we do fan shout outs every week. And we thank you guys for listening. And uh, we're closing in on 100,000 followers on our Facebook. I never would have thought that. Would you ever have thought that, Eric?
0: Wow. Um, it's like a number that seemed insurmountable back when I joined this podcast. Um, but I'm telling you, it's like an X. Ex- I wish I had started graphing it over the last year. Cause I'm such a nerd. I would love to do that because I feel like it's an exponential curve right now. It just faster, which is really cool. Well,
2: 98,978 listeners. Wow. And speaking of that, um, there's a the list out of the top 60 Star Trek podcasts. And, of course, I'm mentioning it to you guys because, well, my favorite podcast made the list. Um, the best podcasts about Star Trek from thousands of podcasts on the web, ranked by traffic, social media followers, domain authority, and freshness. And mm. Trek Talking comes in at number 22 out of the out of the top 60 Ooh. chosen out of thousands and uh you know thank you so much to all of you guys for making that 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 just that's incredible think about that for a second number
3: 22. I'm still trying to figure out what domain authority and freshness means
0: well <laughs> well freshness, well, freshness I, I is think like, we got we got freshness in the know, bag cuz we are doing fresh stuff every single time that's always on whatever the latest and greatest is domain authority i don't know what that's all about yeah
2: that sounds very subjective i don't know man
3: i'm just <laughs> excited to be a
2: 22 that's great Woo-hoo-hoo. i i i don't know what that means either but i'm glad i mean i was looking through mm-hmm. the list and i'm like oh yeah let's check this out and i wasn't even gonna bother and i'm scrolling through and i'm seeing all the the big guns and i'm as i get further down the list i'm like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. what was that and i had to go back it's like that's us <laughs> we made it <laughs> So uh, thank you so much to each and every one of you guys for making that possible. I can't stress to you how important it is and how much it means to me that you guys are actually listening to us talk about Star Trek. That's just incredible. So thank you so much
0: to all of us. I, (laughs) I have a feeling that like we all might sit around a fire together and talk about Star Trek, but isn't it fun to do it on the internet with millions of other people? I love it.
2: It is. I think it's great, and that's we know. We have listeners all over the place. You know, Ray's down in Brooklyn, and Anna's out in Portland, where you guys are. We got that guy down in Australia, whose name I don't remember. But um, dude, but, have,
0: but man, we got we got Malaysia, we got like China, we got South Africa. I mean, we got like every continent. The only continent we haven't hit yet is is the one way way down under. We haven't gotten anybody from Antarctica, but I'm hopeful.
2: You never know. You never know. So thank you so much guys for doing that. We I from the bottom of my heart, kapla! I, I really, really appreciate it. So speaking of thanking the fans, you can head over to our Facebook page at Chuck Talking and Beyond. You'll see the live long and prosper. At the top of the page, just drop us a little line in there and say, Hey, Uncle Jim, I'm listening to you in Malaysia or wherever. And every week, yours truly will pick fifteen lucky, well, no, actually, it's up to 20 now, 20 lucky listeners. And if you see a heart next to your name from me, you want to tune in because your name is going to be immortalized across the Internet as an official Trek Talking supporter and listener. So, Eric, why don't you get us started?
0: Well, Jim, I feel like maybe there's a very small chance that the dude might have been Will Wright from Canberra, Australia, Will Wright. If you are the dude, please give us a call. And even if you're not the dude, you should still call us because we love all of our supporters from down under. So thank you, Will Wright, for listening to us. We're also saying hello this week to top fan Mildred Collar from Nolens, Louisiana. Gives us a little live long and prosper. I have been to your fair city a couple of times, and I find it intoxicating in more ways than one. Thank you, Mildred, for supporting our podcast. Hello to Jimmy Callen from Brookings, Oregon. Brookings, I have not been through your town. I know where it is. Uh, But Jimmy, thank you for being from my home state and Paul's home state. And thank you for supporting our podcast. Uh, We love you, man. Uh, We're also saying hello this week to Nick Pace from Eltham in the UK, who also sends us a Live Long and Prosper. We always appreciate our listeners across the pond. So thanks, Nick, for listening to us. And hello as well this week to Gabriel K. Grimm. Ooh, that's a great name. I love that. With two M's. Ooh, spooky. From Saskatoon all the way up in Canada. Thank you, Gabriel K. Grimm, for listening to us all the way from Saskatoon. Oh, that's so cool. Charles, who would you like to say hello to this week? Let's start off with
4: Christopher Cobb in Carnes, Queensland. Queensland, Australia. Brenty Bean from Oklahoma. I hope Brent is okay. uh, Elaine Algava. I'm from New York, New Jersey, transplanted, living in Georgia. Ah, had to get away from Jim's weather, I bet. Mandy Finley from Fresno, California. And Tina Sabino Torres, originally from California, but I've been in Utah for 23 years. Oh, which part of Utah? Paul, oh, what about you? All right, friends. We have all kinds of
3: folks. I'm going to spin the globe and take us down to the southern hemisphere of our planet. And a fantastic hello to Stuart Mitchell in Martin Rangtike in New Zealand. Uh, pronounced uh, the Maori way, if I'm saying it the correct way, it should be Atiuroa is New Zealand and absolutely great to hear that our words are making it to you all the way on the other side of the planet my friend thank you for listening spinning things around a little bit more in Mansfield England hello to Paul Howard thank you so much for listening and this is a globetrotter are you ready for this say hello to Sarah Vossler a listener who's from New Jersey but now lives in Malaysia. That's going to give you whiplash and jet lag combined, Sarah. But it sounds like uh, despite those uh, hemispheric jauntings, Sarah is continuing to listen to us on a regular basis. So we say thank you so much. And in the fabulous country of Poland, a big Trek talk and hello to Monika hetera Misejuk. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It almost sounded Klingon, Monica, the way I said that. So I hope that was okay. But thank you so much for tolerating our pronunciations, and thank you even more for listening. And yes. right around over the next horizon from Monica, we move over to the Netherlands and a big Trek Talk in Kapla to John Berendec. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for keeping fandom alive amidst all the tulips canals and windmills my friend it is great to hear from all of you spinning the old compass needle over back to jim jim who you got there
2: well we want to say thank you to emma choppa who's listening in corpus christi texas we want to say thank you to ken Malamy, who's listening in brooklyn new york represent brother represent i love me some brooklyn pizza wow i gotta tell you We also want to say thank you to Joe King, Richie Duffy from Darlington County, Durham, UK, and Michael Hodder from Arizona right here in the U S of a and last, but definitely not least. We want to say thank you to Sherry McNew, Julian from Maryland, but currently living in Florida. That wraps up our fan shout outs for this week, guys. If you'd like to be on a fan shout out, head over to our Facebook page and we'd love to give you a fan shout out as well. And now that brings us up to a part of the show that I really enjoy, our Star Trek birthdays. <laughs> It was not a Klingon song. No, Grumpy Wharf says that every week, and we don't care. We like it anyways. And uh, we always start off our, our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those who, sadly enough, are no longer amongst us. And for that, we turn to Eric.
0: Yeah, Jim, this week we are going to be remembering seven members of our Star Trek community have gone before us. Uh, the first is actor John Abbott who in the Star Trek world was best known as Aelborn in TOS's episode Errand of Mercy, uh, one of those most quintessential episodes of TOS, I think, and uh, him being a quintessential character, of course, of that episode. Interestingly enough, only nine months after filming the episode Errand of Mercy, Abbott coincidentally uttered that episode's name to Vince Howard in the Bewitched episode, Samantha's Da Vinci Dilemma, and I am also a big fan of Bewitched, which was also in syndication when I was a kid in the 70s, so uh, I probably saw John Abbott on that as well. So happy birthday to John Abbott, known as Ailborn, from Errand of Mercy. We're also saying happy birthday this week to actor Robert Lansing, uh, an actor who we've talked about quite a bit recently on the podcast for various reasons, uh, playing the very well-known role of Gary Seven, In TUS's episode, Assignment Earth, um, we have talked in the past about how we got to see a little bit more about his character using his visage in some of the most recent Star Trek comics, so nice to see him coming around, and of course, Robert Lansing has one of those classic faces from the 60s. Um, You know, he was all over the place on television, a lot of cop shows, uh, a lot of mystery-type shows, Uh, so very famous actor. Robert Lansing, known as Gary Seven, would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday to George Wallace, who played Vice Admiral Simons in TNG's episode Man of the People. And uh, I have a theory. He's not so bad because he's a Vice Admiral, (laughs) not a real Admiral, I guess. I don't know. What's the difference with a Vice Admiral? Charles, you must know this. What's a Vice Admiral? I don't even know.
4: I think it's an in between step. I'd
0: have to look okay. it up. I think it's an like between captain yep. and admiral or something. Yeah. Well, interestingly, yeah. he's not so bad in this episode. Um George D Wallace was also uh on a great episode of Forbidden Planet back uh in the 50s. So, uh, happy birthday to George D Wallace. We're also saying happy I birthday like to like pa-
2: to- I think it's like I think it's like a Patty one. They're an evil admiral in training, but they haven't attained the full <laughs> evilness. <so.
0: laughs> well, they haven't, right, they've, they've worked their way up through the system, but they haven't had enough time there to realize that they exploit it.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. uh,
0: George Wallace, thanks for being one of the good ones. Uh, all right, we're also saying happy birthday this week to Jesse Lawrence Ferguson, who played Lutan in TNG's episode. Code of Honor. Um, Great actor. uh, An episode I don't like to talk about too much. uh, But he also um, had a couple of really cool other acting roles. He actually played, in 1990, he had a role as Eddie Black in uh, the opening scenes of Darkman, which is a movie that I have a special affinity for. I don't know why I love that movie so much, but I really do. And, but he's probably most well-known for his role in Boys in the Hood. Uh, he played a dirty cop in that movie. So happy birthday to Jesse Lawrence Ferguson. Saying happy birthday this week to Hurt Aware, the original Picard's mom, Yvette Picard, from TNG's episode Where No One Has Gone Before. Uh, not necessarily a real version, sort of a vision, I guess, of, of uh, his mother, Picard's mother. Uh, maybe what could have been. Uh, definitely seen in a different light after Picard season two. Uh, so happy birthday to Herta Ware, who was also very well known, of course, as Rosie in Cocoon uh, from 1985. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Joan Marshall, who played Lieutenant Ariel Shaw in TOS's episode, Court Martial. Uh, another one of the episodes that I consider in my top lexicon of episodes. I love that episode so much. Um, she was also in the Twilight. Um, she was on a couple of other television shows from the 60s, so um, uh, great actress. Uh, Joan Marshall played Lieutenant Ariel Shaw. Happy birthday. And our final remembrance this week goes out to actor Alan Marcus, who played the character of Sam no in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Um, he got a speaking part in a major or, you know, more major role in this movie, but Alan Marcus is really mostly known for his stunt work uh, over the years um, various television series throughout the 80s and 90s um, stunt, uh, stunt coordinator uh, stunt performer uh, all sorts of great uh, he, he, he probably knows leslie uh, or knows of leslie if they have never met so uh, happy birthday uh, or would have known leslie i should say so happy birthday and remembrances going out to alan marcus And that wraps up our remembrance birthdays for this week, you guys. Uh, Charles, why don't you kick us into uh, celebrations of those who are still with us?
4: Okay. Well, I just looked up, even though I just lost my internet for a bit, we get into Admiral. We start with the rear Admiral, Vice Admiral, then Admiral. So it is basically an Admiral in training.
0: Wow. So it's three steps from Captain to Admiral. I didn't know Mm. that. Interesting. I thought
3: thought Vice Admiral was
0: in charge of contraband.
4: (laughs) No? It's it's contraband? (laughs) Depends on on what ship they're assigned to. Yeah, or which fleet they're assigned to. (laughs) Which part of the world they're in. Well, let's start off with Michael (laughs) Phillips. Germanic pause. (laughs) Gotta get me that Michelle contraband- Phillips, who played Janice Mannheim in TNGs Will Always Have Paris. Michael Grayeyes played Felix in Discovery the Example. Mark Herlich played Keshweh, yeah.
0: from Void Counterpoint. Yeah, to me, that is Just pronounced how- exactly like the planet that Chewbacca is from, Kashik.
2: I don't think that's a mistake either. I think they did that nope. intentionally.
0: I think so. Yep. One less why, but yeah.
4: <laughs> we got Duncan Frazier, who played Anton Walsh, and Enterprise is bound. Bernie plays Bernie
0: Casey played Calvin Hudson, DS9, the Maquis, Yeah. Can, can I just mention, like, Bernie Case, first of all, great character, great episode. Secondly, one of the absolute most useful characters in all of Star Trek Attack Wing. If you were to poll Star Trek Attack Wing players and ask them what their favorite card was, I would bet you that um, a solid like 25 to 30% would, would say Calvin Hudson. Calvin, and because we geek out on this every once in a while, Calvin Hudson, add one tech, weapon, or crew upgrade to your upgrade bar. If this card is assigned to an independent ship, all of your upgrades cost minus one SP. He's a five-skill captain for only three sp. So not only is he three SP for five-skill, but he discounts every single thing on your ship by one. And let me tell you, friends, if you're a Star Trek Attack Wing aficionado, that is some heavy, heavy value right there. So thank you, Calvin Hudson, <laughs> for being an awesome character and for having an awesome Star Trek Attack Wing care, uh, card. And he was in Revenge of
2: the Nerds, too.
0: He was? <laughs> was he,
4: <really?
2: laughs> Wow. Yo.
0: Cool.
4: <laughs> Now, I actually dug dug this birthday up myself on one of my Facebook groups. A very happy birthday to one of our favorite authors, especially a couple of guys on the other line, as we talk about the Star Trek Discovery's drastic measures, as somebody calls it, the Lorca book, and many other Star Trek novels. A very happy birthday to Dayton Ward. One of our yeah, top authors.
2: If you guys are looking for a really good discovery book to read, you got to read Drastic Measures. I'm telling you, it's really... Re- Actually, we haven't read a discovery book yet that wasn't good. Maybe one, but
0: I won't mention it. They are really good books. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. Say, I believe... I believe we had Dayton. We had both Dayton Ward and David Mack on the show, and they were both absolutely delightful. Um, it, was, yeah. it was great yeah. to just be able to enjoy their company and like talk about Star Trek literature with them and what it was like to just produce Star Trek books. And and you know, if you haven't read a Star Trek book in a long time, it's not like the old pocketbook days. Um, all of these Discovery no. books are very well connected to canon. Uh, they have you know technical advisors we consider them extremely canon adjacent so uh it, it wouldn't and in fact a couple of things have here and there that that like tie in pretty closely so uh so yeah happy birthday dayton ward and don't forget una she's been on too mm-hmm. oh she's the best i mean she's my favorite that that tilly book was unbelievable um still one of my favorite interviews we've ever done
4: yeah that was a fun one all right sorry to interrupt you charles all right <laughs> I was going to jump in. I can't remember the title of the the episode that book actually ties into. They so keep wanting to call it Conquest of the King.
0: Oh, the Conscience of the, title. Title of the
4: King. Conscience of the King.
0: Yeah, the TOS episode. That
4: book actually backstories that yep. episode. Yep. Very well done because you learn a lot about why – why Kirk and such were so upset at that person.
0: Wow, yeah, you learn and a lot about the bad birth- guy, too. Go ahead. Sorry.
4: Yeah. And my last, one of my big birthdays that I get to have is a very happy birthday to Dr. McCoy. Oh, from the other universe. Happy birthday to Carl Urban,
0: our other Dr. McCoy.
2: Judge Dredd. <laughs>
0: Judge Judge Dredd, Judge Dredd. Dredd. And I have to tell you, Carl Urban, I hate to say it, guys, but, man, he is my absolute favorite character from the Kelvin movies. I just, his bones just resonates for me. I love yeah. him so much.
2: Totally. In fact, and Lord of the Rings. Probably, he was in Lord of the Rings.
0: He's everywhere, man. He's, he's, still on, the boy. he's on the yeah, boy. In that,
2: fact, yeah. I just watched him on the boys just before the podcast. Yep. But he's totally different than he is at yeah. McCoy in the boys, though. <laughs> Ew, okay. If you if you want to tune into the boys, expecting to see Dr. McCoy, uh, hold on to your hats, people, because it ain't. Not, it's totally different. <laughs> like so, and I met I, on, I, I, I met Carl, Carl Urban, Urban, Urban at a Star Trek convention up here at, at Trek Conoroga, and he was up there, and I went over to meet him, and I shook his hand and talked to him, and I had him sign a picture of Dr. McCoy from Star Trek Beyond. And he looked at me and he says, well, what would you like me to sign? And it was, my name is Jim, right? So I said, uh, could you, my name is Jim. So instead of signing it to Jim, could you just sign, he's dead Jim. And then, see yeah. Yeah, anyone, yeah, yeah. right? So Perfect. he signs it, he signs it, he's dead Jim. And then underneath it, he put dot, 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 and wrote, not with a big explanation point. <laughs> <laughs>
4: In fact, going to say he's funny. Star Trek: <laughs> Las, Star Trek: Las Vegas. I didn't really get to see a whole lot of people in the in the last show, but the previous two years, the only person from the Kelvin universe that I have seen on a panel is Carl Urban. He's the only one of that crew that I've actually seen at Star Trek Las Vegas.
2: You know, you're right, It's odd because you don't see any of the other Kel- – you would think that uh, that you might see Scotty around because of all the stuff that he does, Simon Pegg. But Carl is the only one you see on the convention circuit. Uh, the other ones, I don't know why. That's odd. But you're right. Carl's Carl's around from time to time. And if you get a chance to meet Carl – Please do, because he's a riot. Yep. And that brings us up to Paul. Yep.
3: All right, friends. Well, we got some all kinds of interesting folks here. First of all, a joyous happy birthday to Bonnie Turpin, who portrayed uh, Ensign Swin on the Voyager episodes, Tuvix and Resolutions. So a couple of great episode appearances there. Next up, a mischievous, foreboding, and uh, entirely morally ambiguous happy birthday to
1: James <laughs>
3: Callis. Okay, who is James Callis? You say? Well, most recently, Picard fans have seen him play none other than family patriarch Maurice Picard on at least three episodes: Stargazer, Monsters, and Hide and Seek. So, it brought a whole new dimension to the Picard family tree there kind of a dark and uh, brooding one I would say but sci-fi fans are going to know Mr. Callis indelibly for his portrayal of that mischievous prankster that Cylon lover Gaius Baltar on Battlestar Galactica the reboot so I think that's (laughs) never going to outlive that one James that's going to be on your uh, resume for the rest of your life what a great character So always a terrific presence, right? He's such a great actor. Really, really awesome. Happy birthday as well to Amrit Kaur, played uh, Cadet Thera Sidhu on the Short Trek's episode Ask Nots. Do you guys uh,
2: think that she's going to show up on Strange New Worlds at some point? I mean, she's on the ship.
0: Yeah. I mean, it would be surprising to me, actually, if they didn't bring her back, given that that was such a fun... Like short track, and I would love to see her character. Honestly, like, uh, uh, yeah, that would be fun. You
3: know, uh, I can answer that question for you very easily on behalf of Omrit, if that's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It all
3: it all depends on who Amrit's agent is and <laughs> what Uh-oh. they're willing to do. <laughs> yeah. How many phone <laughs> calls? And how how pes- pesky they want to be? Right? You got uh, to be tenacious, and uh, hopefully, that's the kind of agent that uh, Omrit Gower has. Happy birthday as well to Alex Datcher, Ensign Tite. I believe it's Tite. Tate? You've got to really be careful with pronunciation of this one here. It's T-A-I-T-T. <laughs> I think it is Tate. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go with Tate, okay, and then we'll <laughs> play it safe on the uh, next-gen episode, Descent Part 2. Not Descent Part 1, but Descent Part 2. So uh, a little of uh, Borg proximity there, Alex. Also, uh, Feliz Cumpleaños to uh, Seamus Patterson played uh, Cadet Haral on Discovery episodes All Is Possible and Coming Home. And I love saying happy birthday to this next cat who's had an incredible career. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, you look at the credits for James Darren. Oh, my God. Well, well tar- Star Trek fans are going to think of uh, James Darren. They're going to think of... Uh, let's just say lounge lizard. Is that
0: appropriate from deep space? Yeah. Lion, he's Vic absolutely Fontaine? A lounge lizard. yeah I would say sure. he's totally a,
3: he's totally a lounge, lounge lizard, but he's, uh he's
0: perhaps the kind of guy I would
3: expect that Charles would see uh, walking up and down the strip in Vegas. Right. Because that's who Vic Fontaine <laughs> yeah. is all about, but you check out James Darren's career, man. I mean, one of the first things he really, you know, he'd been in all of like early Elvis movies, Gidget movies back in the late 50s. He really started to hit the list when he got in The Guns of Navarone with Gregory Peck. Mm-hmm. That was like 1961. Mm-hmm. And then growing up, I was a big fan of this guy. I seen him on all of the great uh, Irwin Allen era TV shows. He was like a lead player on Time Tunnel. I don't know if a lot of people watch Time Tunnel, but it's great. Really influential show for its era. Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, uh, just City Beneath the Sea TV movie. Uh, you name it, man. This guy was on everything. He was on SWAT, Police Woman, Charlie's Angels. He worked a ton. Hawaii Five-O. 0 uh, He's still uh, out there working. Fantasy Island, you name it. I mean, in the, in the 80s, this guy just never stopped. I mean, ever. And that brought him to uh, Deep Space Nine. So uh, really, really great to be able to acknowledge him and uh, a heck of a legacy, uh, Mr. Darren. So holding up that martini glass in your direction, Vic Fontaine. Thanks for the oh. memories. Yeah, yep. I'm
4: going to throw in a little bite on his because I believe he is part of the Rat Pack. And I don't know about this year, but if you ever get a chance to st- stick, stick around and attend Star Trek Las Vegas, stick around after Saturday no- after Sunday night, after the convention closes, and go catch the Rat Pack on stage for free. Cool. You'll see. Sounds like fun. <laughs> uh, oh, man.
1: I ain't got to tell you that.
4: I've seen Nana. uh, I can't think of her first last name. Nana. Visitor.
1: Visitor. Yeah. Visitor
4: on stage. I've seen the Grand Vegas on stage. Oh, I forgot who all's part of that. But if you want to see a classic version of the Rat Pack in Star Trek form, stick around and see the Rat Pack. I you will indeed, my friend. I will
3: indeed. I am a big fan of uh, many of the Rat Packers, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and of course Francis Albert. You know, let's be honest. Imagine on, a, right?
4: imagine a, uh-huh. imagine a concert
3: of
4: Rat Pack style of Star Trek actors. Uh, that awesome. I'm imagining That's it fine. really <laughs> clearly. I'm imagining <laughs> oh, William Shatner I'm being you. part of
3: that same. No, Icy Cheddar's
4: not in there, but the Grand Negus is there. We've got a Taylor on stage.
0: I'm imagining it Paul and I ball. sitting at a table together, enjoying this, <laughs> both with Sazeracs in our hands.
3: Yeah, exactly. I'm imagining that we'd be like uh, one Sazerac away from getting up on stage and joining them. And say, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> totally. <laughs>
0: Grand Nagus,
1: uh, why don't you take a – sit this one
3: out, Grand Nagus. Let uh, Eric and I show you how it's done, okay? And then we'll we bust into a you know a Star Trek song. So <laughs> I'll talk to you about a little uh, writing idea that we might have to come up with for we need some new music, Eric. So I might uh, I might have an nice, I a thought that we'll have to do. I've been inspired by all this uh, Vic Fontaine talk. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to meet offline and discuss. But uh, happy birthday, whether or not you're a lounge lizard or a uh, Consumer of uh, jewels on Cork's Promenade, wherever you may be, happy birthday, especially if your birthday lies in the days and weeks ahead. Coming up next, we've got a birthday, an honorary celebration that is
4: four decades
3: in the making, peeps. And no one is better suited to wish that birthday out there than Big Uncle Jim. Take it away, Jim.
2: Well, we want to say happy birthday, Pally, in the words of uh, Vic Fontaine, to I think one of the most influential movies of Star Trek at the time, I got to add that, at the time. Um, And before, you know what, we play this clip, I'm going to play this before every podcast, these guys can attest, there's a clip that we always play, we play this clip, to get us in the mood for the podcast it's just something that we've been doing for years and we keep on doing it and in honor of this uh next birthday i'm gonna play that clip and share it with all
5: of you guys and uh
2: yeah here it is
5: i shall leave you as you left me as you left her my room
2: Live. Bury the line. Khan! Khan! That's right. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, uh, was released on June 4th, 1982. Can you believe it? Did you guys go and see it on opening night? I did. I was there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did not. Uh, I was I was a little young, was young for
4: that. Night. Yeah. Night it was a matinee for me, man. It was a matinee
3: viewing. Stuff. We were out there in a you
2: know, you know what, eleven thirty yeah. show or something like that. As soon as we could get in, we were we were out there. I'm telling you, the, the another Starship, the USS Reliant, the Enterprise getting shot up, Spock dying. This movie had it all, and uh, just wow. I think it's still considered one of the Star Trek movies of all time. Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan. In fact, the director's cut, I believe, is going to be playing at movie theaters. Um, or did I miss it's it? September. Was it last week? No, yes, no, no. Yes, it's it's it yeah, it's coming up. Yeah, it's coming up. you guys right? get a chance. Yep. You can go and yeah, see I'd... The Wrath of Khan That's director's Now, cut. it'll
4: always
3: be, I think, people's number one. I mean, I really, really think it will be as far as like just huge mass appeal. Crowd pleaser. It's like you don't have to be a Star Trek fan fan to get off on Raphacon. It is just it's a hugely entertaining opus. People just love it. It's a great time at the movies. Period.
0: It's a popcorn
2: movie all the way.
0: I mean, I think Paul. It's mostly because you are completely riveted right from the first scene of this movie. Like they pull you in, and then they and then they just kind of keep it rolling. And I find Ricardo Montalban absolutely intoxicating. Like, I cannot stop looking at the guy. I've seen this movie probably at least a dozen times in my life. And he's just, the performance that he gives is so powerful. I mean, I know you, I'm preaching to the choir here. You all are. But like, but yeah, just really, really something. So I, every time one of these like movies comes up uh, on the big screen, I try to check it out. And I'm super excited about this one in September.
2: And don't forget the incredible soundtrack that goes along with it, either. Great soundtrack. All right, guys. So happy birthday, happy 40th birthday to Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. So now getting on to our Star Trek birthdays, we want to say happy birthday to Chad Allen, who played Juno in TNG's Suddenly Human. We also want to say happy birthday to Kim Rhodes, who played Lindsay Ballard in voice episode Ashes, to ashes and a big one here uh jason isaacs who played captain gabriel lorca mirror universe version from discovery on season one and you know i went to meet him at a convention <laughs> me and my daughter were standing in line i'm dressed up as a klingon she's got on a starfleet uniform and a whole bunch of kids are standing around us wearing these Brown robes and waving wands around. I'm like, this this dude's on stage, And they're all there to see uh, uh, Malfoy from uh, that other movie, Harry Potter. From Harry Potter. Harry Potter. From Harry Potter. And, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. and uh, everyone's going up there waving their wands at him. And there I am dressed up as a Klingon. Go figure. Um, great guy. He was funny. Funny as hell. I really enjoyed talking to him. Great guy. Happy birthday to Jason Isaacs. Um, and he pulled up – guys, that was one of the best twists I've ever seen on Star Trek. And uh, we, How long did we talk about it on this podcast, there's well, something not right about Lorca? That's right. I
0: Some- mean, I would say from – I would absolutely say from the very first episode, I, I actually – I'm pretty sure if you go back and listen to our podcast from that very first episode where we see Jason Isaacs as Lorca – I say something like, that's no Federation captain. (laughs) And I was pretty upset about it. I was like, where's this show going? How can this guy be from the Federation? He's not exhibiting Federation ideals. Why do I not like this guy at my core? And it was just like, he, he just hit me right from the beginning as a little bit off, which to me was perfect because as they developed his character they kept throwing you little bones to kind of bring you in. You're like, okay, I don't trust him, but, oh, no, maybe he's legit. Oh, no, maybe it's cool. Oh, oh, shit, he's got a really nasty menagerie going on. What's going on there? <laughs> it, <laughs> oh,
2: it, was, it was great. I, the way they, they let us on, and then at the end, you're like, what a dink, and you hate him. And then in season two, the crew is, is really <sighs> disheveled, and they bring in Pike to uplift everybody. And the first thing Pike says is I'm not Lorca. And he gives the Pike speech where that was it for me. I was a Pike man forever. That whole thing was just done so well. And I think Jason Isaacs was the perfect person to pull that off. So happy birthday to Jason Isaacs. The next birthday, we want to say happy birthday to Gary Graham, who who played the Ocampa Tanis in voice episode cold fire. But the rest of us might know him as Vulcan Ambassador Soval from Enterprise. Great character. Um, but if, if you're long in the tooth like me, and uh, you grew up watching uh, 90s TV, uh, for me, though, I remember him <laughs> as Matthew Sykes from Alienation,
0: yeah. and, uh,
2: <laughs> which is just a great show. Um, yeah. And it had five spinoff movies after they canceled it. Great show. Alienation. So happy birthday to Gary Graham. And I always finish off with our Klingons. And boy, have I got some good ones here. The first one I want to say is Ka-plah, to Mark Warden, who played Alexander Rozhenko, uh, grown up. In the DS9 episodes, You Are Cordially Invited and Sons and Daughters two great episodes and he plays an awesome awesome alexander uh they keep him around as a good luck charm because he's well not really klingon y enough but he's great it'd
4: be it'd be great to
0: see him show up again don't you think i'm kind of thinking jim well you know it's funny because as you were mentioning that i kind of feel like that would be a good monday episode is let's do an alexander episode where we talk about alexander Young Alexander, and we like headcanon some stuff related to that. Sounds like fun.
2: He's a great character. So, happy birthday to Mark Warden. And last but not least, I saved the best for last. Uh, I don't know where to start with her, but yeah. we want to say happy birthday. Wow. We got to say happy so birthday. Well, I know where Susie I know Plaxton. where you want to end. <laughs> and we're going to start off with. She played the Vulcan doctor, Salar, in TNG's episode, The Shizoid Man. That was cool. All right, that was cool. She played a great Vulcan. Wonderful. Awesome. And not a bad episode, either. She also played the female Q in Voye's episode, The Q and the Grey, another great character where she found out that she had to do the nasty with Q. In order to propagate I the Q love. species, and
0: it was just I utterly that inconceivable
2: that do they would the have to
0: something, a, <laughs> something like that. It's such a great, it's such a great like <laughs> Janeway laying down the law episode. I love that episode. So that's
2: two great characters that she played so far. But wait, we are not done with Susie's Star Trek career. Oh no, 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 because on Star Trek Enterprise. She played Tara in the episode Ceasefire. If you guys don't remember, she's the Andorian Mm -hmm. that was uh, betro. I don't know if she was betrothed, but she was somehow uh, entangled with Shran. Uh, Was his girlfriend, his wife, his first office? There was something there. I don't remember
4: exactly what.
0: Well, she's she's in the She's in the military with him uh, first and foremost. Like that's what I loved about her was she was a she's like the. you know, uh, strong female military character <laughs> of Enterprise. And she she gets killed by a
2: Tellarite. And yeah. then Shran challenges the Tellarite to a duel to the death. And Archer steps in and says, no, I'll fight him. And he chops off his antenna. <laughs> Great episode. Um, and it really builds on their relationship. And uh, that was Susie Plaxton. But I saved the best for last because uh, she actually played one of my favorite, favorite Klingon character, female characters, other than Laurel, on Discovery. And uh, she first appeared as Klar in an episode entitled, well, uh, she first appeared on an episode of, um, of the Emissary where uh, she meets Worf and we found out they had this secret affair years and years ago and uh, just great counterbalance for Worf because she's, she's half human. And she's like, the hell with all that Klingon crap. And Worf's like, Klingon crap. How dare you? I mean, it's great balance. And and they made a great couple. And speaking of couples, they coupled, they, they, uh, on the holodeck and she leaves, she's gone. And then, uh I think it was two years later, uh, she comes back in an episode called Reunion. And who's with her? But her son, Alexander. Funny, we just talked about Alexander. And Duras kills her. And I went yeah. crazy. Ugh. I went crazy. Oh, my God, ugh. they killed my favorite character. Why? I know. Um, yeah. it was, put it out there that I think that's <laughs> one of
3: the absolute... Well, first of all, one of the greatest characters on Next Gen ever, yes. thanks yeah. to her. I mean, that was if there was, you know, it took me a couple of seasons when, when it was initially airing to actually get on board with Next Gen because those early seasons were rough sledding for a while. Right. Being a OG guy. It didn't. It just didn't. But man, that was one of the episodes where I was like, now they got it. Right. Because it's like you got a real actor making a real character. And she was amazing. And when. What happened? in reunion happened. I was just—it was devastating, man. It was just wow. so—it was great, but that was just like here we are. We're in the thick of this multi-episode, long-term Wharf character arc, and he's never going to recover from this. It was just so okay. great.
2: No, nope. so great, nope. man.
3: Susie Plaxton is
2: phenomenal, and and yeah. they, they, they she had to die because it sets up Wharf's entire story arc, leading all the way into Deep Space Nine when he finally killed Garon. And so it's, it all ties together. And it starts with Kalar. I loved her. Great Klingon. Great character. Happy birthday to Susie. ka May the walls of Stovacor welcome her. All right, guys. So that finishes up our birthdays. We have quite a few, but we're not done yet. We have to do our convention, 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 convention. calendar, calendar. Calendar. All right, Eric,
0: get us started with our convention calendar. Oh, you got so many good ones. We're tracking this week Eternal Con, July 2nd through the 3rd at the David S. Max Sports and Exhibition Complex in Hempstead, New York. Sounds like fun. Eternal Con. We're also going to be checking out Dice Tower East. July 6th through the 10th at the Caribe Royale Orlando in Florida. So go check out Dice Tower East. And my final convention this week is Blurred Con. It almost sounds like something from Futurama, but uh, just a little bit outside. (laughs) July 8th through the 10th at the Hyatt Regency Crystal City at Reagan National Airport in beautiful Arlington, Virginia. Paul, what are you watching for us?
1: Well, you know, uh, coming up after
3: July 4th weekend there, uh, July 9th through 10th, I think we should all head over to the Men in Sports Arena uh, in Morristown, New Jersey for the Garden State Comic Book Fest 2022 in beautiful Morristown. Who doesn't want to go there? I know I'm ready to drive seven hours to get there, but Absolutely. And if uh, you just don't find yourself in the uh, Tri-County area for uh, that particular week of July, then you can go and stay in Ohio, in Youngstown, Ohio, where things are crisp and clean and conservative and well, in some corners of the neighborhood. And you can go to the Holiday Inn Youngstown South there, Boardman location, for the Mahoning Valley Comic Con. Again, July 9th through 10th. And if you feel like heading south, like way south, Then you're going to go to Texas, to Cedar Park, Texas, just down the street from Austin to the Greater Austin Comic Con, July 9th through 10th. Now, I know you don't think you can go to all three of these, even though they're the same two-date July weekend, but you might be able to. But if you're at the Greater Austin Comic Con, you're going to be at the HEB Center at Cedar Park. I am so not going to touch with the 10-foot pole ideas about what H-E-B might stand for because they take things so seriously in parts of Texas. But uh, (laughs) have a great con wherever you may be in that lovely second week of July. Jim, over to you.
2: Well, actually, this is for the first time ever. I have three conventions that I could go to all three of them because they're all within driving distance of me. This has never happened. I should buy a lottery ticket. First and foremost, uh, you can go to Vermont Pop Culture Con, July 9th and 10th at the Doubletree Hilton Burlington in Vermont, South Burlington, Vermont, uh, to be exact. Uh, or you could go to Games for Change Festival, July 13th through the 16th at Times Center in New York, New York. And last but not least, you could go to Empire Comic Fest, July 16th at the Louis S. Wolk JCC of Greater Rochester, located in Rochester, New York. And Charles, wrapping up our convention calendar, what have you got for us?
4: Let's start off with comic comic a July 15th through 17th, George R. Brown Convention Center, Houston, Texas, Frankfurt Con, July 16th, The Capitol Plaza Hotel, Frankfort, Kentucky. And this one, eh, I'm not so sure I'm crazy about the name change. They'll say Comic-Con International. I prefer the classic name, the San Diego Diego Mm Comic-Con. July 21st to 24th in the San Diego Convention Center, San Diego, California.
2: Right near the ocean. Yep. And that Again. wraps up.
1: It's
2: I guess we got some news. Yeah, actually we do. It's been a while since we've had some news, but we had some news that was newsworthy. So uh it's time for Star Trek. News. Priority one
0: message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of
5: program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete.
2: Blank alert. Black alert. All right, Eric, you get to start us off, and it's been a while
0: since we've heard from this guy in a bit. It has been a little while. One of our very favorite segments that we are digging back up for you guys is entitled, Chatner Says, What? That's right, he's back in the news. William Shatner has a message for toxic Star Wars fans. The legendary Star Trek actor William Shatner, best known for his role, of course, as Captain James T. Kirk, takes a stand against toxic Star Wars fans. He took to Twitter to repost Obi-Wan Kenobi star Ian McGregor's video where he defended his co-star, Moses Ingram, from racist attacks on social media. Shatner replied with one single message from toxic fans. Toxicity in fandoms needs to go now. Thank you, Shatner. Since Obi-Wan Kenobi began, Ingram, who plays Riva Sundavar, the third sister, of course, in the Disney Plus series, has been the target of racist harassment. Some of those messages were posted by Ingram on her Instagram stories. Quote, there's nothing about, uh, there's nothing anybody can do about this, Ingram said. Quote, there's nothing anybody can do to stop this hate. I question my purpose. And even being here in interviews interview saying that this is happening, I don't really know. Shatner is not the only Star Trek star coming to Ingram's defense against the toxic fans. Anson Mount, who of course plays Captain Christopher Pike on Star Wars, Strange Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, took, his, took to his Instagram page to offer his support. This is Moses Ingram, says Mount. She is a singular talent and a recent addition to the Star Wars universe has also been targeted by racists pretending to be fans because her mere existence threatens a skewed dystopian fantasy that selectively omits the likes of Williams and others. We have her back. Uh, And I I will say that I, man, I, and I will tell you that I just don't get any of this stuff. Um, She's a pretty darn fun character so far in Kenobi. She's personally, like, uh, whatever you think about the series, she's one of my personal favorite characters in the series right now because at least she's got a motivation and she's got, like, um, you know, some, like, some stuff inside of her that needs to come out. And I don't know where these fans are coming from, honestly. So um, so good for Anson Mount. Uh, good for Ewan McGregor. I mean, uh, good for William Shatner. I mean, William Shatner is, like, not the guy who's always known for going to bad for bull. And, um, and I feel like in this case, he's, he's on point toxicity and fandoms needs to go. And I will tell you that from our standpoint as a podcast, like we sort of have to deal with this sometimes, right? We love you guys and we love our fans and we interact quite a bit with you. And sometimes when we post things that we consider to be um, normal or, um, you know, on basic kind of like human rights principles and the principles of secular humanism uh, of which Gene Roddenberry was a disciple um, and sometimes things blow up a little bit and we have to airlock some people as a result which is too bad but uh, I will say that overall we are so happy that our track talking fans are supporters of this kind of way of thinking and are on board with things like what Anson Mount is saying here like what William Shatner is saying here um, you know This character is not a bad character, and she certainly does not deserve to be chastised for the color of her skin. Come on, people. We're so far past that.
2: Well said. Well said. Yes. Charles, you got our next story for us.
4: Okay. Well, thank you, Eric, for doing that last story. I still don't understand the negativity towards that character. I have other issues, but not against her. But, oh, we got some problems. Deep Space Nine is leaving Netflix USA. Star Trek now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. <coughs> Netflix, Netflix, Netflix has revealed that seven seasons of Star Trek Deep Space Nine will be leaving the streaming service on July 1st. It was the last Star Trek series available on streaming. After TOS, Voyager and Enterprise left last September and TNG left in December. Last year's Viacom-CBS also ended co-production agreement with the original series, Star Trek Discovery, buying back the international distribution rights. However, as of now, the legacy Star Trek is still show still shows up available internationally on Netflix. In January of this year, all Star Trek exited Hulu and Prime Video as well. So as of July 1st, Paramount Plus will be the exclusive U.S. subscription streaming home for all of Star Trek television shows, both legacy shows and news shows. There's also a Star Trek channel on Pluto TV, the ad-supported live stream service owned by Paramount. So in the U.S., the last of Star Trek is one is making its march over to Paramount Plus. So if you're not supporting Paramount Plus, good time to be over there joining it. So you can get all your Star Trek fix of all the current shows and legacy shows.
2: Yep, that's right. Paramount Plus Star Trek 24/7. New episodes every Thursday. Paul, what do you got for us, speaking of Paramount Plus? Oh, a segue, because you
3: set me up beautifully, my friend, because we got lots of good Paramount Plus news for our extremely patient, long-suffering friends in the UK. Now, I have a special relationship with the UK. Fun fact about Paul, I am 50% British myself. My mother was born in England, so I feel a special kinship with my friends in England, okay? And you are about to finally have your wish come true, friends, Star Trek fans in the UK, because Paramount Plus is getting ready to launch the first three episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds any day now. Paramount Plus UK has announced highlights for their launch in June, this very month with, which in which we find ourselves, which includes Strange New Worlds. Now, when the service arrives on Wednesday, June 22nd, that's just a few short days from now, it's going to include the first three episodes of Strange New Worlds. New episodes will be available weekly on Wednesdays for the 10-episode first season. That's the same drop date that we get here in the States, so you're going to be caught up before you know it. This does not mean that the U.K. and Ireland fans will be running around five weeks behind Paramount Plus in other regions. The U.K. service will include all four seasons of Star Trek Discovery, and all ten episodes of the first season of Star Trek Prodigy, which you have not watched. Watch it. It's way, way good. There's no word yet on how new episodes from these three original Star Trek series will arrive in the future in the U.K. However, recently, global Paramount Plus releases have been in the same week as the USA. So that bodes well. Star Trek Lower Decks and Star Trek Picard continue to be exclusive to Amazon Prime Video in the UK. Uh, some Bezos clause. I don't know what that's all about. In the UK and Ireland, Paramount Plus will be available online at ParamountPlus.com and via the Paramount Plus app. Pricing is uh, £6.99 per month, £69.90 per annum in the UK with Republic of Ireland pricing to be confirmed in the coming weeks. It will also launch on Sky platforms in the UK with Sky cinema subscribers getting Paramount Plus at no additional cost. The best news is for all of you in the UK, if you're sitting on the settee and uh, watching Paramount Plus in your Anorak, there are no adverts whatsoever. You can just focus on the content and all of those lovely episodes. So finally... UK uh, brethren and sister, you're about to meet Pike and all of the awesomeness that is Strange New Worlds. More news to come, but first, let's go over to Jim. Uncle Jim, what's going on over there?
2: Yeah, so there's a little quick story here. Star Trek Picard boss teases major star will play new season three villain. Following the recent conclusion of season two, Terry Metallus has teased that a well-known star will appear in The Bad Guy next time around, replying to a fan on Twitter who asked whether the next villain will be a new character. The show boss replied, quote, It's a new character played by someone you've seen a million times before. Someone I've always wanted to work with, and wow, you're not ready. Natalus confirmed that it is someone who hasn't been in the Star Trek universe before, saying... I think it's shaping up to be an extraordinary season of television. It's incredibly different from the two seasons before it and features quite possibly one of the all-time great Star Trek villain performances we've seen to date. End quote. Season three, which will also be Picard's last, is set to bring back on board more familiar TNG faces, including LeVar Burton as Lieutenant Commander Geordi LaForge, Michael Dorn as Worf, and Gates McFadden is Dr. Beverly Crusher. And this is mm. an interesting twist because I've been reading a lot of stuff. And uh, Gates McFadden says that she's in all 10 of the episodes.
1: Amen. And
2: uh, and Marina Sirtis said that unlike season one, where she just had a guest spot, which Nepente was a phenomenal episode. She said that she is in a lot more than one episode. So, you know, this is shaping up to be, I, I, I want to say maybe like the TNG reunion show, a type of a thing maybe. Um, I don't Yeah, know, totally. but
0: the gym. Yeah, Let's hope that it isn't just a, like, trip down memory lane. I want to learn more about these characters. I want to know where they've been. I want to know if Beverly Crusher ever became the chief medical officer at Starfleet, like she did in the alternate timeline from All Good Things, you know? Like, there's some stuff that needs to be covered here. In particular, my, my personal, like, the thing... What happened to Dora LaForge? Because we've got from the comic canon, the canon adjacent stuff, that LaForge was at the Utopia Planitia um, shipyards during the attack on Mars that the Synths made, and I would love to see an actual reference or, like, canonizing of that stuff that we saw in the Picard Countdown comics actually on screen. That is extremely important to me, and I really hope they cover it.
2: Well, there's there's a lot that has to happen. Uh, you know, we, what brings Warf back from being the Klingon ambassador of the yep. Federation? Uh, he somehow will be back. Data, Data's dead. So, you know, we got Brent Spiner who's returning, but he didn't say as who. So they have to address that as well. Uh, you know, obviously it's in the future. Are we going to see... And they also said it's going to be based on a ship. I don't think it'll be the Stargazer. Will it be the Enterprise? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot here. We know that Riker's on Nepenthe, retired with Deanna. Uh, well, he was an admiral last time we saw him, but there's a lot of things that have to happen here. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see how it all pans out. I'm really looking forward to it. So, anyways, that wraps up our news. And now, guys, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. We are going to talk about last week's episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Spock Amok. And before we do that, though, I got to play a little Officer's Log to get you in the mood, and then Eric's going to dive right in to our fan scores.
5: Science Officer's Log, Stardate 2341.4. After our harrowing encounter with Gorn. Enterprise has returned to Starbase One, one of the oldest, most venerated space stations in the Federation. Newly repaired after the Klingon War, here the crew will be adjourning for some much-needed rest and relaxation. While I have agreed to assist the captain with a diplomatic matter, I plan to spend most of my time here with my fiance the Pring.
0: All right, Eric, take it away. All right, well, uh, we always ask what our fan scores are about every episode, so we asked on a a score of one to ten, like, how did you rate Spock Amok? And Lee Townsend said a seven for me, but I did love and very much appreciate the classic fighting music from the original series. Yeah, Lee! I totally agree with you, buddy. As soon as I heard that music, I was like, ah,
1: that's the music from the original series! Ah!"
0: So, Lee Townsend, I agree with you, sir. Eric Patton gave a solid 8.5. The body swamp gimmick is a classic. Swap gimmick is a classic, but what really, what I really like is the complexity of Vulcan life shown. Interesting. Thanks, Eric. Lori Miller Willis said a 10. I love it. We got character development, homage to TOS, and a whole lot of laughs. It was perfect. I think the cast is great. Eric Nagamine said 9. Love the shout-out to TOS. Turnabout Intruder, Amok Time, even the alien sail ship from, yeah, which uh, absolutely reminded me of DS9. Title still reminds me, Amok. (laughs) Thanks, Eric. Pretty funny connection. Joel Wright gave it a 10. It's one of my favorite of all Star Trek episodes. Thanks, Joel. Dorothy Ann Ferguson said it was the Vulcan Freaky Friday episode. That's exactly what I told my wife. It was great. I'll give it a 10. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Roberta C. Rutherford said it was quite an interesting episode with good laughs. Love this series it's so creative. Ten. Caroline Dahlke gave it a 9.8. Love it. It was tons of fun. But there were a couple of things I way that felt a little disjointed or otherwise a bit, quote, off. Overall, though, it was fantastic. Michael Morris gave it a ten just for using the classic fight music. you And Kevin Joseph said 9.6. It instantly became one of my faves. So fun, because number one and Noonan Singh played off one of their, uh, of what their crewmates' assumptions of them were very well. So, Jim, I have to tell you, this one uh, knocked it out of the park as far as I'm concerned. This gives us a combined fan score of 9.4. You'll notice there were no sixes or fours. Or any of that shenanigans. uh Seven was our lowest, so a nine point four from our fans. Yeah, that's
2: because it was
0: awesome.
1: It
2: was. It was awesome. It was absolutely so guys, awesome. It was just tremendous. We're going to dive every- right in, Rebel. and we're going to talk about it. But first, I got to do this.
4: Black alert,
2: y'all! We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It- all right, guys, I like, to, I like to have about an hour to spend on each review. Uh, we're a little bit under that, so I'm going to kind of move along. The first clip I want to play for you guys was mentioned by our fans. I've entitled it Ears. Spock your ears.
5: Human to drink. I will not marry a human. I choose Calicie. That's ritual combat. Who am I supposed to fight?
1: You will
5: fight him. But fighting myself is illogical.
2: All right, Eric, take it away. What do you think about that scene?
0: Oh, man, Uh, one of my favorite scenes, total foreshadowing of Amok Time, Um, and obviously, like, an awesome kind of uh, example of Spock and his inner conflict of, you know, human versus Vulcan. I feel like we get a lot of flavors of this throughout all of Star Trek, but this one in particular was great. Uh, one of my favorite things about bringing Tapring and this whole concept into it is it gives us context for what we see in episodes like Amok Time um, from TOS. So um, really great uh, scene. I loved it.
2: Yeah. And, and the Vulcan music. Just
0: uh, wow. Perfect, yeah. right? I mean, as soon as you hear that music, you're like, oh, wait what series am I watching? <laughs> and you can't help it. You're pulled right into it. And you you imagine the Calafi, you imagine the weapons, which I always forget the names of, which somebody can help me out on. Uh, it's just like... A, Lirpa.
2: A Lirpa.
1: There we go, the yep. Lirpa. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And I don't know if you guys caught it or not, but they, they paid close attention. when When Vulcan Spock
0: cuts human Spock, the blood was red. Yep. And I thought yep, I thought I actually wow, noticed that, Jim. I thought that was great. That was a great little detail that unless you're a Star Trek fan, you might have actually missed that.
2: Right. That was a really good touch. So that that was that was the first scene that, that I wanted to mention. Uh, the next one that I wanted to uh, well, yeah, we'll start with this one. Was uh, this one and I'm gonna I'm gonna send this one out to you, Paul. You ready? Hit me. It's called Funny Hat.
5: Doctor Are you here? Surely there's a wasting, we gotta go. Is it time already? Are you serious? Sorry. I've been collecting data to share with Dr. Barroa. Is that his, you know what? No. Expert in non-invasive surgical techniques? Cutting edge stuff. Except without the cutting. Oh. You know, she's come all the way from the other side of the quadrant. You don't wanna be late to meet her. Right, two minutes. How about you? Excited to see Lieutenant Dever? Sure. So, how are we gonna play it this time? You want me to keep my communicator on, or do we need a hand signal? No need. This is what I appreciate about Debra. He and I are on the same page. Casual, no attachments, it's just for fun. Zero commitments page. It's more like a book than a page, and you said the same thing about that gal on Arculius too. That was a misunderstanding. It was one time. One very entertaining time. (laughs) How is being chased oh. by life laser fire fun? Oh, good. I was worried you might show up and still Yeah, I was going to ask. It's a fly fishing. I hear the biospheres have everything. You know what? I'm warming to it.
2: So, Paul, what would you think about that scene? Anything about that scene catch you off guard, maybe?
3: Oh, there's a lot of good stuff in that scene. It's one of the things yeah. that the, uh, they do really well on Strange New Worlds. Okay, what is that scene? I don't know. 60 seconds long, 90 seconds long. But there's at least four or five things in there going on that are really, really inter- fun, first of all, right? It's engaging. He's wearing the goofy, funny hat, which is endearing because you're picturing him going fly fishing, which is like something that, you know, old school Kirk and Spock would have done in the movies or Kirk and McCoy or whatever, like when they're climbing El Capitan. It's one of those deals there. But Babs, all those Son McCone is just freaking fantastic. He is just great. He's a little, you know, scatterbrained, but he can also be very intense. Uh I think what's super interesting to me is she came all the way from the other side of the quadrant to see you. What what what? what? I mean, okay, there was like there was clearly Chapel thinks that, you know, there's some potential romance going on here. Or Dr. Mabenga. But we never met her. It was almost like a deleted scene, right? What happened there? There was it was being set up for him to see this so other doctor that you know, supposedly research, you know, peers or whatever. But something was going on there and I'm very curious to find out what that was. But it looks like we didn't get an answer. Maybe a deleted scene. I don't know. And of course, to harken back to what uh you know, just briefly, uh, the whole Shatner comment about uh You know, intolerance and toxicity of fans. Oh, boy, did everyone freak out on social media (laughs) over that brief comment that was made, you know, between Nurse Chapel about, you know, oh, my God, that you might have like a different thing going on with another gender. Oh, my God, I just can't deal with it. I've got to, like, take all my sweat socks out from under my bed and burn them. I mean, what the hell, folks? I mean, geez louise crazy but all of that stuff in that short amount of time is just amazing right i mean really really engaging stuff i mean that you know here they are they're ready come on doc we gotta go i mean it's just clever fun engaging stuff um they're great the, again this cast fantastic so for me it was great and then you know it's just the hat thing. is kind of becomes a fun running joke but the fact that he was willing to be silly and 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 do that and that they're having all that interactivity i mean this show is this episode, right? I don't think anyone's expecting it, but it's like a Shakespearean comedy, right? We've gone from a very intense oh, totally. episode last week with yeah. the uh, with the uh, with the Gorn, right? Yeah. And uh, I would yep. say this, you know, very well might be the episode that within mm-hmm. the franchises of Star Trek dethrones Trouble with Tribbles is the most beloved, more comedic episode. I think it's that good because it's you could so easily have gone off the rails been terrible and goofy with you know the whole freaky friday approach but they used the whole katra thing and which is established stuff and it worked right i think a huge you know i'm really running off the rails here I no no
0: no paul i didn't, but wait, it was I just great i think a ready. lot of the
3: reason this episode works yeah. so well is the actress who plays uh to bring who I guess she studied Arlene Martel's performance a lot from what I've seen. And she really tried to make sure that her manner of poise, how she carries herself, the way she speaks, she was hilarious in the driest, most engaging way that any woman who's ever been vexed with her fiancé has ever been can be related to.
2: And so me for me, guys a this cast awesome. Are you guys? Well, uh, now we know we know that Tipring and Spock don't work out. We know this is already. But uh, do you find yourself rooting for these guys to work it out, <laughs> like yeah, I do? Hey. Really? <laughs> I Totally. Mean, I, I keep, you know, they're trying so hard, and I, I and I'm rooting for them. But I know it's doomed because we all know what happens. But well... they're working so well that I find myself just wanting them to succeed. Because they're so well, good together.
3: I'll just I throw that- out there, canon slaves. I don't know that we do know, okay? I don't, yeah. and I think that the I really don't think that we we make a lot of assumptions with this show because of the baggage we bring from past stuff, right? But I'm paying a lot of attention to number one in those conversations with Pike lately, where she's like, you know, what if you make your own destiny? What if things don't have to be that way? What if things can change? There's a million different sci-fi MacGuffin ways you could change the the the. You know, manifest destiny of his quote-unquote fated future, right? I don't necessarily believe that that they're going to go down the road of making everything necessarily have to true up to keep canon from whoa, exploding. There's not a lot of to do this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, mean, that's, I, I think
0: that is daring awesome because what
3: at. do you really want to get together a bunch of talented writers and actors and performers if you're just going to paint through the numbers to satisfy canon? I well, submit to you, no. I think there's a lot of other creative ways that you can make everybody happy by just being creative with the writing. I,
2: I really well, think it's if possible. You, so we'll see. If you, watched, if you watched The Ready Room for tonight's episode with Alex Kurtzman, who, by the way, is phenomenal and gets it. All those people that anti-Kurtzman, Kurtzman's the devil, he writes anti-Star Trek, whatever garbage they spread – are full of it because Alex Kurtzman gets it. He knows it. He understands it. At least on the ready room, he did. And one of the things he says in the ready room is that they are not going to reinvent these characters or change anything that's already been pretty much pre-established. They're going to play with the gray areas. Um, They're going to delve into areas that we don't know anything about, but they're not going to really change things that we already know. And we already know that, she chooses a fight to the death with Spock and Kirk and then he walks away from her and leaves her with Stan. So that they're not going to change that.
0: Right right right, Jim. but what we don't know is we don't have any real deep emotional details about how that actually affects Spock because they spend so much time in that episode going through the fight with with Kirk and going through all the like stuff with DePring and da 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 by the time we get to the end of it, we still don't understand how Spock feels about everything. And I feel like what Strange New Worlds gives us the the ability to do is it goes back and it says, okay, we, we now, of course, have, you know, 57, 58 years of established canon that Spock is an emotional guy who tries to hide it, just like every Vulcan out there, although it's particularly intense for him. How does his divorce from T'Pring actually affect him? And like that's where Strange New Worlds can shine, is it? Is it gives us depth to the character. Uh, Paul, I would love it if they would actually change and, like, adjust canon, because I'm the guy who from day one on the Kelvin, Kelvin movies, for example, has said they're eventually going to bring him back around, they're, right? This is an offshoot. They're eventually going to, like, pull this all back together. Above, accepting that a person can have multiple ways of living that are valid i think spock is the perfect character for that right this way you can show spock this way and every one of them has value well i think I i
3: think it's a lot of possibilities out there um I, you know, I think that uh, I'm just curious to see it, but, but, you know, I just got to circle back though, because I think Jim's point is is the thing that got us all off on this. You absolutely are rooting for these two, right? And you're also rooting for chapel to be successful in her getting to know Spock more. I mean, you know, it's just like this, you are, there's a lot of alternative realities that we're seeing here that we're bringing to it. And, you know, it's kind of almost like, you know, I I don't know that I'm really to, you know, you know, be married to Canon ever, but I think they're going to have fun with it and do it in different ways. But, you know, I mean, there's a, you know, supposedly we, but be careful of what you assume with this show. I think that would be my best advice for what we think will is gonna happen or that has to happen. That's just what I, I think that there's a really smart group of folks uh, in the writer's room here who have thought this through and who have uh, definitely worked on character arc and plot and have a big picture idea of where this stuff could go. Um, but it seems to me what they're absolutely most intent on is satisfying the audience because so far they have done that 100%. And, and well, I just
2: and wanted I'm to gonna... add two things before I, I, I got something I want to play for Charles. Uh, first of all, I think that the well, portrayal well, I'm, I'm of. Jump
1: in too.
4: Yep. Go ahead. I was trying to catch in with it and it's kind of taking this off of Paul. Okay, we're trying to kind of stoop towards the audience. Well, okay, we're serialized. But, okay, last week, the Enterprise was severely damaged. And this week, it's in perfect condition. It's like, no. Last week, it went the battle. It got severely damaged. Then we got to go take it to Starbase 1 and get it repaired. It's like, Okay, oh, we're thinking into last week's episode. The ship's actually damaged, so let's take it to Starbase and get it repaired. It's like that's one thing that helps the audience. Like, okay, last week's episode, we don't care what happened last week. No, we care about what happened. So we can go to Starbase 1 and go visit there and get the ship repaired and do a show where we're not going through and visiting the the planet of the week. And I think that was a good dose of fun for the fans.
2: Absolutely. And uh, I was going to say two things. I think that uh, the characters portrayals of each other, Spock playing to Pring and to Pring playing Spock is what makes this episode <laughs> so believable and so enjoyable because the Freaky Friday with Jamie Lee Curtis and um uh, uh what's-her-face there? Um, was it ph- yeah. was phenomenal because they each played each other's character so perfect. And that's what they did in this one. You could see each of them yes. playing each other. It was believable. It was fun. And one thing I want to throw in: I read an article. I didn't put it in the news, but we are going to find out what happened with Chapel and Corby. Uh, fans were going crazy about that. She was with a woman thing, and they're all like, "What about Corby? We're going to find out about Corby." Uh, Kurtzman said that Corby is going to be addressed, and it's going to be in an episode. So the Corby thing, her her That's engagement, awesome. with Corby, is going to come up at so bear that in mind so, so it could Charles, be really quick man it, it's gonna be yeah. good A- everything has been good so far uh this one i picked for you and the name of, that i gave this clip is the
4: nickname
5: lieutenant ortega dr mbenga and nurse chaffle you are officially checked out to enjoy your shore leave you don't have to do this in person you know the only way to make sure it's done right nice hat by the way Fine. I'll take it off. What do you do have planned for Shore Leave? Are you kidding? They don't shore leave, they sure stay. All right.
1: The nickname.
5: <clears throat> I don't know what I'm saying. I should probably go. Chivka. What nickname? I can't remember. It's uh... where fun goes to die.
2: It's stupid. The yeomen don't know what they're talking about. If they did, they
0: wouldn't be yeomen. Energize. Have you heard this, Chief? No, not. Of course not. No. No.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Charles, what do you think about that scene?
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: that well, one's for I you. Think I think it's... I think it seriously shows one thing that we have definitely talked about with these two gals. And it's something we've been kind of discussing. How well are they between, how well, who makes a better XO? Who be, who's the better one in charge during battle? And the common kind of thing is, yep, we've seen the serious side of these two. It's like, yeah, we're always seeing the serious side. We don't see the fun side. And it's interesting to watch them trying to find ways to have fun as they suddenly find out Enterprise Bingo and seems like only a few people have not heard about it. And that includes number one. And as well, all the kinds like. Oh yeah, I kind of snagged this from the infinite. Uh huh. I think she had her own copy of it. She knew it was there, but I think it gave them a chance. Like, why don't we see these two have a little fun? Catch these two doing. Catch these two ends doing something they're not supposed to be doing. And I love the interrogation between these two. Well, oh, ah, this is so serious. She's interrogating the first, second, third degree. Anna's like, oh, she's sitting back. It's like, but okay, you're not grabbing sodas or a beer? going to have this interview? She's making so much fun and relaxing. She's enjoying herself. And we get to see the, the two different P, point of views from these two. And to realize, yeah, they do take their jobs too seriously. And they don't stop to have fun. <laughs> I know we've got a captain who did that frequently as well on the Enterprise D. Definitely I think it was a fun scene of almost oh, and I, I truly I like to see them those two having fun. I think it was fun to see them trying to do some of that bingo. Even though some of that bingo like, yeah, They don't have to sit there and try to challenge on it. They've done it. It's like, yeah, it's hard to break the rules when you're the one making the rules.
3: And what's awesome about this, too, Charles, is the fact that this side plot with uh, Una and La'an, right – it, thematically it connects up so beautifully with what's going on with Spock and T'Pring because it's all about they okay. do the exchange of the Katras right because they want to be able to see what the other person is experiencing right and that's the whole thing of these two going through enterprise bingo they want to get a sense of understanding the 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 midshipman right understanding the cadets or seeing things through Understand their the eyes that's so what the whole can. episode is about it's so great Good point. It, yeah. It's
2: awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Great point. Uh, speaking yes. of that, um, Eric, you're up next. And um, I just entitled this clip, You Are Fun.
5: Why do you let it bother you? Hmm? Where fun goes today. It didn't bother me. I just hadn't heard it before. Have you? No. And I don't I don't either. Just not knowing makes me feel out of touch. As a senior officer, I don't get to be part of the crew anymore. Oh no, that's not because you're a senior officer. It's because you terrify people. That's a compliment. Uh, thanks. I mean, what's wrong with liking work? And surely, I mean, the ship clears up, halls are empty, no lines for the massive synthesizers. It's just you and the gentle thrum of the war corps. It's like... It's like Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was looking forward to redoing the duty rosters. I was planning on checking the phase of house finds in the armory actually Attention, Lieutenant Nudian Singh Security breach at airlock four Unauthorized access in progress Copy Computer, who's on rotation for backup? Belay that I'm your backup People are uh- idiots You're fun
1: <laughs> All right, Eric, take it away.
0: <laughs> oh, man, uh, this is quite possibly one of the funnest scenes in the entire episode, and it's one of the reasons uh, you will be surprised by my score on this episode, potentially. Oh, my God, you guys, how much fun is this? Uh, yeah, they're just um, bouncing it back and forth. Um, you are learning the – what I will say, the it, – it, for me – the reason it resonates for me is that I'm sort of a middle management guy. So for me, I hear these guys talking about how they want to be fun because it will actually help the people under them become, you know, more effective crew. Like they want to be fun not just for themselves, but because for them it's like geeking out on how can I be the best manager possible. So to me, this scene is just awesome. I love them bantering back and forth about what they can possibly do. I love the fact that there's this list, this like <laughs> um, thing that's uh, ship specific. That if you do these things, uh, you know, you'll complete the the list or uh, I can't remember if they give it a different name other than the list, but uh, that's what I call it. So I Bingo. To, yeah, bingo. Right, right, right. So to me, One of my absolute favorite scenes in the entire episode, and one of the reasons that this is literally one of my favorite episodes of Strange New World so far.
2: It was it was good. They reminded me of Scotty when he gets locked, and he gets confined to quarters, and he says, good, I can study my technical journals.
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) right? It's like a totally. It's like a little bit of insight into the uh, crew member's personal world, right? Which I think for us is really fun because in the 21st century, we crave characters that we can actually dig into and like identify with a little bit. For me, in this series so far, it's Ortega's. I am completely identifying with Ortega's. I love every scene she's in. I love the support she gives. I love the fact that she's not a main character right now, but she literally has contributed to all the important scenes on the show so far, so I love where they're taking this show so far. It's, woo, it's so spicy.
2: Well, we've got more to talk about because this next clip I picked for you, Paul. Are you ready? Hit it. it. All right, here we go. I call this clip Spock and Chapel, as if you don't know what this one's about.
5: Spock. Clearly an extraordinarily intelligent person. Thank you. But you're also an idiot. I feel I should have seen that coming. Please, elucidate. You told her you were going to be home for dinner, and then you weren't. I found myself in an impossible circumstance where I was unable to reconcile my many duties. <laughs> it is not a human gesture I'm familiar with. Designed to break all habits. You're supposed to put her ahead of your duties. But being in a relationship is, mutual sacrifice. Pretty much why I avoid them. <laughs> I am concerned that Supreme thinks I'm an incompatible mate because I'm half human. Okay. I had a terrible dream last night but I had to fight my human side. Vulcans, don't do so, do you? I was raised on Vulcan, among Vulcans. My human family connection was frequently used to isolate me. Kinesh Spock had a pretty lousy time of it, huh? I was bonded to my pet villa, Acharya. I had a Malamute named Milo. May or may not have been this girl, call me stupid. Sharp teeth. I hope Piccolo did not repeat the mistake again. Look, uh, maybe Tupreng just feels misunderstood. The human thing is big in her head. You just have to make her see that you get her The Vulcan. Thank you for your advice. If I can ever return the favor, please do not hesitate to ask.
0: What are friends for? What are friends for? That was a rhetorical. <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh, I know. Humans are almost as easy to tease as organs. <laughs>
2: Spock tells a joke. Oh my God! All wow! Right, Bob, take it away. <laughs>
3: yeah. What What's not to love about that, right? I mean, it's just like uh, it's just uh, everything, right? And uh, it's uh, they're actually it, Spock is finally starting to actually show and reciprocate affection for her as a friend, which is pretty cool, right? Because when she tells the dog b- biting story, right, and they're bonding over pets, he's not. He doesn't say, oh. I hope the girl wasn't injured,
1: Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm.
3: No, he says, I hope she didn't make that mistake again, Mm -hmm. identifying with her and, and, you know, kind of saying, I got your back, sister. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a little tiny gesture of, for him, a big gesture of, you know, acknowledging and uh, affection. It's great. You know, and I, I am thinking it's just, you watch this and, uh, I don't know, because, you know, I don't watch The Ready Room constantly. I mean, just every now and then. But this, to me, looks like a scene. that Here's two actors that rehearse this and rehearse this and rehearse this and rehearse this. Mm-hmm. Because there's a thousand yeah. little subtextual gestures in there, and they are clearly just working it. It's beautifully done. I mean, really nicely done. And uh, And she basically plants the seed in his head right then to do the the contra swap right yeah because it's just like you know it's just like he's basically you need to show her what uh the that that you know you get her you know the whole thing i mean she basically puts that idea right there and i like the idea that you know she is really being defined in this episode by it like being you know commitment averse which is just yeah. hilarious i mean that's, that's a funny character trait for her to have <clears throat> Yet you're seeing, you know, that long hold they have on her at the end of that scene, right? When the camera just holds on her and she's looking up and looking at Spock and it's just, you know, I can practically smell the plumbing soup. OK, I mean, it's just, it's just like you, you see it coming, baby. Yeah, she's she's getting hooked, you know, and then at the very end scene later on in the show, you can see that she's just like, ah, oh, God damn it. I'm starting to have feelings for this guy. I mean, you know, it's just great. So really, really, uh, it's terrific. I mean, it's just uh, it is fascinating to watch. uh pack here and compare him to like the discovery uh episodes where he played spock because he's admitted you know that he didn't really feel he had the greatest handle on the character in those early uh early appearances but man he's working it i mean every single episode um you know he I, i think he gets better and better his delivery gets more interesting and nuanced um i feel like uh in this one, he got the script and said, "Okay, good God, this is going to be like I got 50 years of Spock legacy here. I got to take this seriously, and I'm going to get it right and get it perfect." And he totally did. And it's just he's very vulnerable, right? I mean, he's being, you know, the repressed half Vulcan who's holding his uh, emotions at bay, but he does so many things that are endearing, right? Like when to prings in his quarters, right? I uh, I am in the midst of redecorating,
1: right? <laughs> it's just-
3: he's you know making excuses and is being vulnerable about stuff like that which is great right he's he's you know he's befuddled because he can't make her happy he's realizing he's imperfect he doesn't know what to do about it that's really likable stuff and i feel like somebody really did study uh, somebody in the writing staff here really did study um classic Shakespearean comedies because all those foibles, right? Even things like Mabenga's hat, right? All that stuff is kind of like the goofiness of the supporting characters that you would see in, uh, in a Shakespearean romantic comedy, right? And you would think, oh, characters are falling for character. I'm not supposed to like you because you're my brother's best friend. Oh, dear. You know, all that kind of thing with, you know, chapel here. I mean, just it, it feels like it's from that uh, Renaissance drama. Type of, uh, and type don't of forget,
2: playbook. don't forget the ultimate, the ultimate tie-in to a TAS episode that we all loved <laughs> to yeah. Yesteryear. I yeah. Ay-Chaya Ay-Chaya. 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 there you have it. So if Can you guys haven't you? watched that, if you have not watched Yesteryear from the animated series, now you have you a reason it. to. Gotta you know, go and, and do did, it.
3: And, and that's a great yeah. thing, because they didn't, like, you know, drag that out with, like, unnecessarily fan service exposition, right? It's a matter-of-fact reference that he makes and the assumption is that everyone will just get it and they move on. It's just, you know, it's, it's efficient. They don't waste a lot of time with the dialogue. They cre- keep things crisp and have the faith that the audience will be able to follow along and I just love that. Um, but I want to see more to prank. I mean, that's my biggest takeaway from this episode is I like Spock when she's around a lot, okay, because he's not perfect he's trying to be but he realizes that he's you know here's a guy who's first of all torn between two worlds right he's human and he's vulcan he's split down the middle oh but guess what now you're torn down the middle in a whole different way because your loyalties and your commitment between your relationship are being tested against your loyalties and your commitment against your career in starfleet that's great stuff because he's got this duality conflict happening on two
4: different levels now, which is fantastic stuff.
3: And so really for me, just delight. And yet with all that complex, uh, you know, dramatical underpinning bottom line, this show, this episode was just a hell of a lot of fun, man. And just every single way you could possibly write it. So, uh, it was a big, big fat, a man.
2: It's great stuff. And, uh, Charles, but, but Charles, at, you, at your you, request, before Charles. You
4: in, before you jump into that one, I want to throw one more line in, Is I love her comment to Spock later. Don't let them be so hard on you. And he's like, well, I try not to. And she's like, no, try stop being so hard on yourself as she realizes she t- lets him know it's okay not to be so critical about yourself. Now I thought that was a wonderful line.
0: Yeah, yeah was, I, I agree. I agree, Charlie, because I actually think in another world, T'Pring and Spock might have made a good couple and they might have actually succeeded in their relationship. But I think that what we're seeing here is the kind of setup for Spock's inability to resolve so many things about himself and and in some ways like Spock as the most venerated character of all of Star Trek it's nice to see him struggling I like to see these episodes where yeah. he doesn't exactly know what to do and he feels like um, he's conflicted all the time and I don't think that the idea is that Spock will eventually figure it all out in the end right? We know that Spock doesn't figure it all out, and that he still takes to his grave the conflict that he had within himself, and to me, these episodes are feeding right into that. love it
2: it's good, it's good, and uh Charles, you get the last clip you get the caboose in this one. Yep.
1: Do you know what you there
5: I certainly hope so.
4: Come on, Bob, where's the drama in that? Well,
3: Captain, tell us, why should we ally with your federation? Easy, you shouldn't. Chris, why would you turn our enemies into your enemies? We're just a few years clear of the Klingon war. The Romulans are out there biding their time. Who knows what species we'll piss off next. It's not like we're coming to you with any great respect for your culture. We barely know anything about it. Now, it's pretty clear we're only interested in you for your territory. And what would you get in return? The hypothetical benefit of new trade markets? Scientific advancement? Our promise of support in the event of a crisis, which will probably only come about because you've thrown your lot in with us? Now, the Federation has lots to offer, sure, but it always exacts a price. You have good reason to suspect that price is too high for you to pay.
5: Thank you.
2: All right, Charles, go
4: for it. Ah, I heard this speech and just loved what we saw Pike do. You realize in there, one of my notes that I wrote down, with negotiations, it's not always black and white. Yes. Is okay. Oh, we oh, we got to follow we got to follow the script, and we noticed during negotiations that there were, that they didn't follow the script, and that they were starting with Pike. Then they went to Spock, which was actually Spock Spock Pell combination. But that to see that, and then Pike goes in. It's like, you know what? I think I understand what these guys are kind of doing. I'm fighting with the tar- uh, the Terrians, but I'm fighting with this group. I'm trying to be not. I'm trying to be nice with Pike. I'm being logical with the Vulcans. It's like, okay there was a little bit of discrepancy in there. And to realize that, okay, maybe these guys are just trying to see what people are going to give them. Okay, let's not give them what they want. Let's give them the straight-out truth. Let's be fully honest with them. And Pike goes off on this, and it's like, Admirals like jaw drop and like, What are you doing It's like no I'm going with a hunch Ah Our captain's going with intuition And he sits there And goes through and says, you know what I think these guys are kind of playing us A little bit I think if they got the straight out truth They showed they're getting what they want And they go through to realize Yeah that's Exactly what they wanted They wanted somebody with the straight Honest truth to them Oh you might not want to be in Starfleet You may not get Exactly what you're looking for But oh Starfleet might be there to Bail you out when you screw up Oh you're doing this Well Starfleet may have many voices But they listen to All those voices Or so they sit there and want to listen to each one and we go through on that, and Pike's explaining this. And I turn around, and it's like, there's a light ship. Which
0: yeah. immediately,
4: I kind of looked at and had to go look up. I was like, okay. So awesome. I know we've seen a similar ship like this before. DS9. And to find out, it's, a Bajoran, it's very similar to the Bajoran light ship from DS9 Explorers. And it was that was it's bigger than the ship that we see in DS9. So it was a beautiful ship, and to see them sit there and put that flag, I was like, you know what, Pike made perfect sense. That's mm-hmm. that's why we need the Federation to back us up.
0: I love that, Charles. I love the old technology of the solar yeah. sail as a way to propel. Starships through the stars, and in a current context of somebody who's trying to join the Federation, right? Because when we look at the Bajoran lightship and the way that that thing technologically works during DS9, it's not because somebody's trying to join the Federation. It's not because it's like up-to-the-date technology, right? To me, this one was so special because it showed this kind of old-school technology, but in a race that is currently trying to join the federation and when they deploy it and that federation flag is flying i'm sorry but i got some goosebumps man that was tight that was Mm -hmm. awesome
4: oh and to see and to see it from una and leon's position yes they're sitting there trying to finish that bingo card and often that ship just flies right over top. On the of it. hole.
0: Can you imagine, dude, standing yeah. on the hull of a starship in deep space, like looking at that shit? I mean, it's just like yeah. unbelievable. Woo! But we we start Surprise. to learn, it's like we
4: get we got a detail of what that the shields are like on those ships. And that just gave us an entirely new view of how those shields shields exist.
0: Which is interesting, Charles. I know uh, Jim's going to finish up here quickly, but I just want to say uh, one thing that is different in Strange New Worlds from Next Generation, for example, on the shields front, is that in Next Generation, the shields are portrayed as a spheroid or a sphere of space that encompasses the ship. Whereas in Strange New Worlds, the shields are portrayed as something that holds tight to the hull of the ship, and when, like, something hits the shields, you actually see it affect the shields in direct proximity to the geometry of the actual ship itself. So um, I, one day we will, like, geek out maybe a little bit on the science of, like, shield bubbles and that sort of stuff and see how Strange New Worlds is actually portraying shields really, really differently from the way that shields were portrayed.
2: Well, guys, before we run out of time here um, and before we give our scores on the episodes, there's one more thing I want to cover, and that is the Enterprise Bingo card. Um, I pulled the screenshot, and I put it on our Facebook page, but I want to read it to you, at least the best that I could make it out. The first square of Enterprise Bingo is, use a transporter to reflavor gum. We see Una and La'an actually do this one. Uh, The second one phaser stun club we see them do this one as well number three turbo turbo lift two floor shout out challenge yeah. we see them do this one okay number four set the universal translator to anagram number five gravity boot hang challenge number six <laughs> medical tricorder challenge vulcan marsupial what don't know what that i don't know what that <laughs> means a
4: vulcan marsupial i love it uh, i can't
0: wait uh, to number seven yeah.
2: food replicator challenge durian fruit don't know what that is either number eight sneak a tribble into the transporter buffer
4: my favorite number nine and they sit in and the they back on that one and they yeah. sit on that one it's like man there are a lot of tribbles in this buffer <laughs> yeah.
2: And number nine, sit in the captain's chair. And number 10, EV suit challenge on sanctioned spacewalk, sign the Scorch. We actually see them do that and uh, when they're on the hull, which is the scene that Charles was just talking about. So that wraps Max, up our enterprise was, challenge.
4: I've heard one comment of something they didn't do, which would have been fabulous to hear. Who signed the Scourge?
0: Yeah. I would love to know
4: what what crew members have, have, have signed it.
0: In particular, because we have so much history of the Enterprise. Like, if you yeah. guys, like, uh, we're not going to belabor it right now, but if you guys go back and look at the actual history of the Enterprise, you know that before Kirk, there was at least 11 years of Enterprise, right? So that is even pre-Pike... Uh, We got some April in there that we don't know too much about. So that would be so much fun to see.
2: So, guys, let's go around and score the episode and then we'll wrap things up. And let's start off with you, Paul. Score of one to ten. Spockamock.
3: Ten. Everything you would hope that this show would be. Absolutely. Uh, Kudos to William Shakespeare for the inspiration. But I just adored it. It uh, For me, takeaway word here is delightful. This was a delightful right. episode in every
2: single way. 10 tribbles from Paul. Eric, how many tribbles are you going to throw at this episode?
0: Uh, I am a math geek, so I'm going to say 9.9, repetitin 9, 9, because this is as close to 10 as you can possibly get. Uh, just like absolutely perfect in its execution of uh, references to TOS. Uh, new stories that are popping up, uh, new character things that we're learning. Chapel is one of my new favorite characters, so to me, guys, Star Trek doesn't get much better than this. I gave Star Trek Discovery Season 4 uh, uh, the very last episode a 10. I'm going to give this one and 9. I can't stop saying nines.
2: All right, so that's that's pretty tough to follow, Charles. How many trebles are you going to throw at this one?
4: Not quite as high as my other co-hosts. I've been doing a lot. My highest so far is a 9.4. I'm going to bump it up this week to a 9.6. A little bit 9. of room 6. for improvement, but they really did a good job with it.
2: And you know, I'm going to go with I'm going to go right around Eric. I'm going to go with a 9.9. And the only reason I didn't give it a 10 is because we didn't get any hammer time in this episode. Right. <laughs> uh, so,
1: no um, we didn't time. get any,
2: we didn't get any hammer's hem, words of wisdom or any of that great stuff in this particular episode. So I just knocked a little bit off, but still 9.9 is pretty damn good. If I do say so myself, um, I want to, I want to let you guys know that on Monday we have a great show playing to definitely want to hang out with us on Monday night, same bat time, same bat channel, 730. Lori Ulster is going to be with us. Uh, Lori Ulster was a supervising producer on After Trek, which was the the Star Trek Discovery Season 1 version of The Ready Room. Uh, She was also a uh, producer on Star Trek Discovery Season 1, senior editor at Trek Movie, and a co-host over at All Access Star Trek Podcast. She's going to be with us on Monday night. So you got, definitely don't want to miss that one. I want to say thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, Paul.
3: My pleasure, man. That was a great conversation and a
2: terrific episode. It was awesome. And th- tonight's episode is just as good. I've already watched it. Uh, also, we want to say thank you so much to Eric for
0: hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Eric. Oh, one of my favorite conversations this season so far, guys. That was really good time.
2: And thank you to Charles for hanging out and truck talking. Thank you so much, Charles.
0: Oh, had so much
4: fun with this episode.
2: It was great. It was great and of of course
4: we had a lot of fun with birthdays too.
2: Yeah, birthdays are always good. And, of course, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I want to say thank you to each and every single one of you guys that put us at number 22 on the 60 Best Star Trek Podcast. So I thank you so, so much, guys. I really appreciate it. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show. I want to say Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. Please stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night everybody.
4: Live long and prosper. Na'il. Cheers. Be well.
0: Let's see what's
4: out there. Engage.